Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And my name's Matt Noble. And this week on Screen Verdict, we're reviewing something, not starting with the letter L. We've no. done Looper, Louie and Lawless. We're going in reverse alphabetical order. So this week we're on to the K's, Killing Them Softly. Yes. Now we went to see this movie together, Matt. We did. Because we are the best of friends. <laughs> Maybe. Or no one else would see it with the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Killing Them Softly, a movie I... I, to be honest, knew nothing about. I'd seen the poster. It had Brad Pitt holding a gun. It said killing him softly. That was it. That's all I knew about this movie. Did anyone try to give you any advice on the film, Matt? What to expect from it? Well, I'd avoided all the reviews and all the opinions before seeing it. I thought it would be nice to get a completely fresh sort of perspective on the film. But unfortunately... I, I got caught out. I got one one bit of feedback before seeing the movie. Now, we bought tickets to the film. We went up to the guy to rip, rip the uh, ticket stubs. Yeah. As we went on in, he said... He leaned into me and said, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the guy selling the ticket. We've already bought the ticket. He's yeah. already ripped the stub. Yeah. And now he decides to offer us the advice or... Oh, this is a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, to, I asked him, have you seen the movie? <laughs> and the guy said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, horrible. He's like, no, no action. Brad Pitt doesn't come into the movie till halfway through the movie. He's like, yeah, no, Savage is much better. And you ask him um, if he's seen the assassination of Jesse James because the director... Did the assassination of Jesse James, one of your favourites. Well, he didn't like that either. Yeah, so, so that would have been a relief I was to you. Like, yeah, I was, this is a roller coaster of emotions yeah. for me. It's like, what? This is going to be terrible. Oh, but you didn't like that. I love that. Okay, everything sort of evened out. Yeah. So then we went to the bathroom and we came out and he'd come up with the solution for us. <laughs> uh, so this he, wasn't enough. This is yeah. warning. <laughs> well, well, you're criticising him for... After we bought a ticket, just ripping on our choice, he, like, did have a solution that could have solved our problem. Yeah, he says, if you really don't like it after 10 minutes, we're like, which is, like, his assumption. He's assuming we're definitely going to be regretting this 10 minutes in. He's like, just walk out and go to Cinema 14. Savages is playing. Much better. Yeah. Uh, when we got into the cinema, I like lean in and you go, I don't know, if I'm going to join this job in 10 minutes, I'm savaging it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to that savages session. I was so tempted to ask everyone else in the cinema whether oh, they yeah. got the same spiel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one person gets up and looks at each other and it's like, everyone, savages? Savages. Yeah, run away. <laughs> it's like 20 people just <laughs> go into the savages 10 minutes late. <laughs> oh, you don't want to buy it. Like, it's like you're at the restaurant. You order from the waiter, and then another waiter comes to bring you your meal, and then they, like, put the plate in front of you, and they're like, oh, you're not going to enjoy this. <laughs> Look, there's some leftovers on table 14. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can go finish them off if you don't like this, which you won't. <laughs> and he was very keen to hear how he liked the movie at the end. <laughs> He comes in to clean up or whatever after the movie's finished. The look on his face, it was, it was, he was surprised we were yeah. still there. Yeah. It's like, man, didn't I give you the Savage's message? Yeah. What are it's you like, still doing here? Yeah, he's like, what did you think of it, guys? <laughs> what did you think of it? So, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
So yeah, that was his thoughts on the film. My expectations, on the one hand, I had a friend, uh, Adam Bruce, there you go, getting a name drop on the podcast, Ooh. said, killing them softly, more like killing them slowly. He didn't think much happened in the film. He wasn't a fan. Okay. But still, my expectations were pretty much through the roof. It's written directed by Andrew Dominic, who did The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Hmm. Literally my number one film, my favourite film of all time. Yeah, you love it. And this is the first film he's done since since then. So I couldn't really have much more like invested hmm. uh, in this film. It's got Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini. Like, pretty much everyone involved made me excited for this film. So when this guy said it was no good, like, my, this is like my heart sank. I was like, no. Please, no. Please be wrong. Please be good. Yeah. So I could get a little emotional in yeah. this week's screen verdict. Yeah, we've got quite high stakes. So let's talk you through what the premise of the film is. There's probably going to be people getting killed or being attempted to be killed in this movie, one would think. The film is basically about a couple of guys that organise a robbery. Mm. And they plan to rob... A card game, a poker game, go in there with some guns, take all the cash, Hmm. nick off. But it turns out that card game is sort of uh, run, owned by gangsters. Now, I haven't ripped off a gangster, but I think the general rule is that if you rip off a gangster, they're going to want revenge. They're going to come after you because they've got to protect their name sort of on the street. Yes. Or else everyone will be trying to rip off their card games. Yes. So, some bloody revenge is on the cards. Hmm. And they call in Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And him and his connections through some other people try and find who did this and get their revenge. Hmm. And we as an audience know who did this. Yes. Hmm. We get to see the perspectives of the different players. So we know what's going on. Hmm. So the film sort of changes perspectives a bit. Like, it starts off, we're very heavily focused on the robbers and their boss, like, who works it out and things. And then it's sort of, I guess, after the robbery shifts to Brad Pitt and actually following them, finding out about them or other people or whatever. So let's talk about some of the people involved. Let's start with the robbers, I guess. That's who we start with in the film. Hmm. We've got... Ben Mendelsohn and Scoot McNary. Well, Australian listeners might be pleased to see that uh, Ben Mendelsohn is in a pretty big film. Australian actor. Many people would know him from Animal Kingdom. Every now and again, every sort of year or two, an Australian film does quite well outside of Australia. And Australians get really proud Mm. of that film. Yeah. About two years ago, that was Animal Kingdom. Sort of this crime drama with Ben Mendelsohn playing crime guy and it was a pretty good role and so i'm glad to see him get some uh some things outside of that was even able to get an oscar nomination for jackie weaver that film so it Mm. even broke through the oscars that australian film now ben mendelson in this play is a bit of a a scummy sort of guy he's a criminal he's a bit dirty i think rough around the edges doesn't even quite do it he's pretty gross in fact yes he has some terrible schemes like stealing dogs and selling them yeah Wants to get his hands on some smack. And he's one of the robbers involved. Yeah. I really liked his character. I thought he was he was quite funny, just how gross he was. It's quite interesting, such as like a scummy guy. And and for the first big post-Animal Kingdom role for him, I thought he did really well. 
Yeah, no, he's a funny guy. Um, interesting. He talked a good game. Like, he's always talking himself <laughs> up, but he doesn't seem to have much going on at the same time. <laughs> he's like, talking about all about how much money he's going to make. Casually, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm too, I'm too good, mate. Like, there's no way I'm, like, going to need this got job. Thing going yeah, on. I've got my own thing going on. But I don't know. Like, it seemed <laughs> like uh, he didn't have much going on. <laughs> You know guys like that who talk about all the stuff they've got going on, but they've got, like, nothing going on? <laughs> you usually don't like those guys, <laughs> but I quite like this guy for some reason. Yeah, there's just something quite charismatic about him, though, even though he's such a terrible guy. In a way, you almost rooted for him, or at least entertained by him. Yeah, he was pretty funny. I guess maybe you go, oh, I know guys like that. And who are you hanging out with? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone remotely like that. <laughs> I don't mean like it's like the stuff they do is the same. I thought like, perhaps that was an unfair representation of an Australian, but maybe not if you're <laughs> hanging out with them. Well, not like that in the sense of they're involved in drugs and crime and homelessness, and prostitution, and all the stuff he was involved in. But more just the people who like they're always talking about the kinds of things <laughs> they're doing, but you're not really sure whether they're doing all those things. Like, oh yeah, no, we've got this thing going, it's going to be great, we're setting this up, it's got all the things in order and things like that. You know, you go, okay, cool. And then like two years later, you're asking what's happening. Oh, that didn't quite work out, we've got the next <laughs> thing going on now, we've got the other business coming in line, we've got we're speaking with the investors and things. Like, okay, Have cool. you ever had this conversation? <laughs> I don't believe that you have ever spoken to someone that used the line, we're speaking to investors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> just paraphrasing. All right. Now we've also got Scoot McNary as one of the robbers. Now I haven't seen him before. Uh, this is sort of my introduction to him. He seemed pretty familiar to me. So like, like maybe in a TV show or something. And I loved his character. He was a robber, but a bit less scummy than Ben Mendelsohn. He was kind of, he seemed like he was a good guy. I was kind of interested in him. I was rooting for him. And he had this amazing voice. I would put him up there, in terms of the great film and TV voices, I'd say he's up there with Christopher Walken and Badger from Breaking Bad. <laughs> he just has, yeah. I, I wish I could do an impression. I wouldn't be able to do it. But it's, uh, yeah, that'll get him far in the industry, I hope. Mm. Yeah, he was all right. He was good. I thought he was entertaining, had a good presence, and yeah, his voice was very good. Also, plus one point for having the name Scoot McNary. Yeah. What a great name. Mm. <laughs> yes. Name of the year award. <laughs> so in the film, you have these two guys pull off this robbery on the card game, which mm. is run by Ray Liotta. Yes. Now, do you think this was a good plan, the poker game robbery? They had a plan in place, and it made sense, but you've got to think, trying to rob mobsters is never really the best idea. Mm. I don't think it was foolproof. No. I think there was a, a line of justification that was somewhat logical, but I think there was always, it was always going to backfire. Especially since it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> it could be quite funny, just like Brad Pitt just never is able to find out who did it. Yeah. And just like the end of the movie is just Scoot McNary and Ben Mendelsohn on a beach somewhere, yeah. just living it up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it was uh, uh, probably not the best. It wasn't even that well executed, the plan. Yeah, I'm going to vote against it. If I'm coming into the laundromat to get pitched this plan, <laughs> it sounded good. It would go, yeah, sounds good. Sounds like you're onto something, but I can just see too many things going wrong. You don't think wearing dishwashing gloves to uh, eye fingerprints is going to instill fear into the people that you're robbing? No, uh, yeah. And even the, um, you know, you always have the people put the stockings on their head to stay anonymous. You could sort of see their faces through the stocking. I know it was a bit squashed, but... I think if you knew the person already, yeah, you might, you'd be able to identify them. If you hadn't seen them before... What if you come across them again, though? Oh, that person looks a bit familiar. Oh, wait. Let me just squash your face for a second. <laughs> ah, you're that guy. Uh, I think their actual face is an easier point of reference than a... I think it's easier to squash the face than unsquash a face. Okay. Okay. So Richard Jenkins, he's sort of a representative of this group of mobsters. Mm. He gets in Brad Pitt to solve this situation. Mm-hmm. This is bad, they've got to find out who did it, get retribution, protect their name. This was probably, to be fair, uh, much less than halfway through the movie. That yeah. Brad Pitt enters <laughs> Brad Pitt the... Enters comes the... in 20, 30 minutes in. Yeah. Now, I'm a pretty big fan of Brad Pitt. He was in Jesse James, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in The Tree of Life, which I loved last year. You did not. Mm. <laughs> and he's in Moneyball. 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 <laughs> Boy, the Oakland A's had a good season mm. on baseball this year. Off the back of Moneyball. Had <laughs> another Moneyball year. The Moneyball bump. Yeah. I really like Brad Pitt in this because he's quite ruthless. He's a contract killer, basically. That's what he does. Mm. But he has this way about him where even though he's talking to mobsters about killing people, he's always trying to be affable mm. and sort of do them a favor and make everything run smoothly. Like, he's quite polite. Mm. He's nice to waiters and things. Yeah. Which I thought thought created sort of an interesting character. He's a charming guy. He's a charming guy. Slick hair. That's yeah. a bit too slick. Yeah. There's very high, very greased hair that he's wearing in this film. He's very used car sales, isn't he? <laughs> like, he's a nice, charming guy. Maybe a little... By, by half too much sort of thing. Like, hey, uh, I can help you out. Let's kill this person. We can do it together. Like, <laughs> you can trust me. Like, we're mates. Like, yeah. So, uh, but it, I, I do agree. He was he was good in the film. He was, like, entertaining to watch. He was charming. Had a good presence. All that sort of stuff you look for in a Brad Pitt performance. Mm. Not that I, I don't like Brad Pitt, though. <laughs> Are you coming around to him? Because you liked him in this, you liked him in Moneyball. Like, you can't dislike Brad Pitt. No, I don't hate him, like, as an actor. I just don't think he's that good an actor. Like, I think he's sort of just, yeah, he's good. He gets the job done and stuff like that. He's um, not a bad actor. He's, like, he's better than average. He's not just average, but I don't think he's great. Like, I don't think he's a great actor. Shame what he did to Jennifer Aniston all those years ago. That's a bit mean. Still holding a grudge. (laughs) Well, he decides to call in the help of the, I believe, third greatest TV drama character of all time, Tony Soprano. Forget about it. (laughs) That's not what Tony Soprano says, but that's like a mobster phrase. So he gets in James Gandolfini to help, because there's a number of people that they need killed. 
And if you want someone killed, better call in James Gandolfini. Yeah. Mm. Seems like a good bet to me. Yeah. He's only in a couple of scenes, and they're pretty dialogue heavy. There's a lot of just him sitting across a table from Brad Pitt, which doesn't necessarily sound that entertaining or action-packed, but I really like that. Just You get to put down two great actors and just sort of let them work off each other, let some uh, dialogue go. Mm. And is it fair to say James Gandolfini's character is a bit of a mess? Yeah, it seems so. He has some personal stuff going on. He seems to be drinking just a tad at uh, various hours of the day slash morning. This might not be prime James Gandolfini. This isn't This isn't 2003 James Gandolfini we're talking about. Yeah, Sopranos hasn't been on for a couple of years. <laughs> he's struggling to find film roles. He's turned to the drink, and he's pretty much just constantly drinking in this film. <laughs> now, he's also a man of the people. He has some uh, words of advice for hookers and waiters. Perhaps not as friendly as Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps more what I would expect from uh, a hitman. Yeah. Not, not, not a people person. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I found those scenes with Pitt and Gandolfini, I thought they were both good characters. I found things they said funny and interesting. But at the same time, I found the scenes a bit tedious. Like, sort of about halfway through, three quarters of the way through, I was wanting them to wrap it up a bit. So... They weren't bad. There was good stuff in them. I did enjoy them, but they were a couple of the bits in the film where I was feeling like it was going a bit slowly. For so, like, so I had a bit of that tension between enjoying and thinking, no, this is a good scene, and thinking, well, this is one of the weaker scenes. I don't know. So I guess that's the, enough of the, the setup, the players. We won't tell you exactly what happens, how it plays out. No. Especially since this film has not been released in America yet. Yeah, it's got a bit of a weird... Uh... Release dates. Uh, yeah. I think it's already out in the UK and Australia. For once, we get something ahead of America. So yeah, pretty excited about that. Mm. Um, well, here we're also uh, with the um, 2012 um, election um, this year. Obama Romney. They're giving us uh, the results before America too. So we're going to get them. We're going to get them a week early. So um, we'll have to time the podcast yeah. for that. Everyone, everyone, check out the Screen Verdi podcast if you want. Presidential election results. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So we thought we'd move on to some of the themes mm. that are dealt with in the film. There's a bit of mention of politics. Yeah, and I guess economics. since you just mentioned the 2012 election politics, it'd be good to maybe get into. Um, yeah, very political, like, heavy film. Um, not necessarily the characters talking heaps about politics, but a fairly healthy amount of time of hearing Obama. And maybe even a bit of John McCain and stuff talk about politics. So we think this film set about 2008. This is just before Obama's become president. So in the presidential race. Um, I think towards the end of the movie, you hear Obama's acceptance speech for the Democratic nomination. So that's sort of roughly where the film ends in the timeline of the real world. In a way, I quite like that it wasn't directly sort of a part mm. of the film. It was, you would hear radio or TV in the background. Yeah. But there was enough of it there that you were thinking, this is definitely on purpose. What is this leading to? Yeah, what are they trying to tell us with this? And I guess that finally becomes a little bit more direct towards the end, where this is addressed by characters mm. 
And I think for me that worked. I think I liked how they tied in things about the economy. Like, even the downturn in the economy was affecting mobsters. Yeah. Like, the mobsters were referring to prices and think, well, in this economy, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, I quite like how they reflected the economic situations of these mobsters to the real world. Hmm. Now, I've been to America. I, I was in America 2008, and uh, C-SPAN is the channel uh, on the TV that has the Senate and things like that. I don't get the sense that it was that um, C-SPAN, people were that C-SPAN crazy uh, <laughs> in America when I was there. I was not always in the airport. They had the C-SPAN on in the bars. They're all watching the C-SPAN. They've all got on the radio, the, like, the p- political speeches. Like, I was not getting a sense that just wherever you went in America... There, you you were listening to Obama and McCain talking about economic policy. <laughs> um, so that, to me, didn't ring quite true. That I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure the voter turnout's like 90%. Pretty sure just everyone is like that invested in election coverage. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, it might be closer to yeah. 40 or 50%. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was interesting, though, that they had this much focus on that sort of stuff. I'm wondering if it will in any way date the film because it's so heavily focused on the Obama-McCain thing. Probably not, but there are some really long chunks. I see what you're saying. I don't think it will too much because it wasn't really about those particular Mm. people. It wasn't like McCain has a crazy policy or did Obama have an affair. It was more just general American politics. Mm. Was the director trying too hard, or the writer trying too hard to be in the now, though? To be, this is going to be relevant, this is going to, like, talk about something that only just happened sort of thing. I think you could possibly sell it that way. You talk about these characters, Obama and stuff, and then the film's released in an election year. In terms of the studio making money, maybe. I think in terms of the message of the film, no. I think that has more, is more timeless. I thought it generally worked. They're just questions I had while watching it. It's a pretty violent movie, too. We warned you about the violence in Lawless. Killing them softly, probably just as violent. I think less showy, though. I think it was a little even more dark and gritty, this film. Yeah. Like, it wasn't slash big spray of this. Like, it was more kind of... It was really kind of visceral. Like, there was one scene where someone's getting beaten up, and I actually felt quite sick. You weren't the only one. (laughs) Which I think worked in the film. I think it fit the tone of the film. Because although we have some comedic moments with how grubby some of these loser robbers are, it is actually a very dark film. Hmm. Some dark themes, some dark moments, some of the dark characters. Hmm. And so I think for these scenes where people are getting beaten up or murdered to work, they did have to be quite gritty, and they definitely sold me on that. Hmm. And I think they were shot really, really well. I think all the sort of kill scenes were superbly done especially the one at the traffic lights i think that was just glorious cinematography direction Mm. i know i've been picturing that scene over and over in my head since i've watched it perhaps a little self-indulgent but yes it was a very good scene (laughs) what you've always got opinions on the music uh what did you think of the music in this one well the assassination of jesse james had one of my favorite film scores of all time so i was interested to see what the soundtrack for this would be like not an original soundtrack it's more using popular songs 
but I think they were used quite well, and I liked how it was sort of mixed with, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't necessarily say songs, but just sounds. Let's take the opening of the film. The opening of the film starts with this really kind of choppy stop-start kind mm. of hissing. It's very grating. There's the visual editing is choppy as well. And to me, that just grabbed my attention instantly. I was just like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. And I was already interested in what was going on in the film. Mm. So I think the soundtrack was used really well to get my attention and to suit and set the tone of uh, the different scenes in the film. Mm. Uh, what did you think of that opening, Matt? I thought I saw a few people looking around. The opening was a bit startling. What was your take on it? My take on the opening was, yeah, I found it interesting and it sort of grabbed me, but it was also a bit jarring because um, it did go from, like, Obama speaking, like, it was like, and we now have a new future <laughs> where we will live in a country where we have... <laughs> so that was a bit jarring. But, yeah, I thought the music worked well. Um, in the movie, generally, I like didn't walk out going, "Boy, that music was awesome." I didn't walk out going, "Oh, the music ruined it." I was like, "Yeah, music did its job. It backed up the scenes pretty well." Well, I noticed something in this film about all the characters. Okay, they all seem to have attitudes. Like none of them liked being told what they could do. I think that was a theme of the of the thing. So you, you start off with the guy um, who's meant to be running this robbery, talking to the two people, meeting the Australian, and he's like, that Australian's not showing me any respect. And the Australian just then gets worse. Like, he just goes, well, you're an idiot and stuff. And the guy goes, well, I don't want you working for me because I'm the boss here. He's going, well, I don't need this job. And then, like, you've got um, Brad Pitt sort of trying to tell Richard Jenkins what to do, and then Richard Jenkins like, look, you don't get to make these decisions. It's me and my friends that get to make these decisions. And then Brad Pitt's going, but we've got to do my decisions. Like, I'm not going to, like, just not do your decisions. Like, or whatever. <laughs> and, then, and then I may have worded that wrongly, but anyway, you get what I'm saying. And uh, then you got, like, Brad Pitt and James Gandolfini, and, you know, James Gandolfini is... Like, going, I'll do this my way, not your way. Like, I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to, let's go kill these people now. And Brad Pitt's like, no, you can't tell me how we're going to kill these people. Like, it's just, like, a lot of people just trying to act like they're the person with the power in the relationship. Like, you get any two people together in this this film, and they both want to be the boss of that conversation. (laughs) They both want to be in control. I think it's a film about control. Yeah, it seems like in the gangster world, things don't necessarily run that smoothly. There isn't a well-established and agreed-upon chain of command. Mm. Perhaps, I don't know if this is supposed to be representative of the business world. Everyone's trying to get one up on each other. Mm. So greedy. Leads to economic crisis. Probably there's a bit more depth to it than my (laughs) uh, shallow summary. But, um... Yeah, I think this is where a lot of the conflict in the film comes from. Everyone trying to get over Mm. the other person. Mm. Yes. Should we go to our segment, What Has Blank Taught Us? This week's edition, What Has Killing Them Softly Taught Us? Well, Matt, Killing Them Softly has taught me that if I ever want to have sex with a dog, I need to be aware that I might get scratched or bitten by the dog. And dog is maybe not the best choice of things to be having sex with. 
So, Jonathan Lamb from this movie, Don't Have Sex with a Dog. Well, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to cater to all potential Screen Verdict listeners. I want everyone to be on the uh, receiving end of my beneficial <laughs> advice. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering Not saying you going... you've considered it. Just saying, if you had, maybe reconsider it. Yep. I was wondering where you were going when you said, I want people to be on the receiving end. <laughs> okay. So, Matt, what has Killing Them Softly taught you? Well, Killing Them Softly has taught me something about sex, too. <laughs> um, I've never seen a prostitute before, at least as a client. I guess I don't know the professions of everyone I encounter in life. I don't pry always. Uh, but James Gandolfini gave a, a good tip. I learned from James Gandolfini that the best kind of hooker is a Jewish one, that they're the best. So now, unfortunately, I may have learnt this, but I have no intention or desire to put this knowledge into action. If anyone from the Screen <laughs> Verdict audience would like to meet with a hooker from all the various different uh, ethnic backgrounds and report back to us on your findings, yeah, that would be much appreciated. And can I just make very clear, the reason I have no desire to follow through has nothing to do with my opinions of the Jewish community. <laughs> um, it's my moral uh, convictions um, of, of not wanting to uh, sleep with a prostitute. It's, it's the... It's the... Um, I, I wouldn't... Yeah. I feel like I could help you out of this, but I'm just <laughs> enjoying watching you struggle. Yes. <laughs> This is why we try not to deal with uh, hot political topics <laughs> because we're terrible at dealing with them on the podcast. I don't like offending people, <laughs> but I want to give my opinions too. <laughs> okay, so we've got that. Let's give this film a verdict. Now, we've given you some excellent worldly advice <laughs> and give you some advice on whether or not to see this film. Hmm. As I said at the start, I had huge expectations for this film. I was going to be so disappointed if I didn't enjoy it. Within the first five seconds, it had me. The, the opening just grabbed me, and I said, yes, I'm going to like this film. It's already doing something different and interesting. Then we got introduced to the characters, and I thought all the players were great. I love Ben Mendelsohn. I love Scoop McNary. I love Brad Pitt. It all worked. I think the story was simple. It is basically card game gets robbed, gangsters try and get retribution. But that's okay because the film's only 97 minutes long. It doesn't try to be more than it is. It doesn't stretch out over a long period of time. And Assassination of Jesse James was 160-something minutes. So mm. it was interesting to see Andrew Dominic do something different, tell a very different story in a much more compact amount of time. It showed that he didn't just need long shots of sort of beautiful scenery with his cinematography to make the film. He was also able to do it with just... Two people across the table with great dialogue and chemistry between the characters. I think the tone of the film was great. It was funny. It was dark. It was gritty. The murder scenes were brutal and they were shot fantastically. I was stunned by all of them. Hmm. I think perhaps the, and I wouldn't even say flaw, I'd just say something that was perhaps lacking was a small amount of emotional weight at what happened to the characters. A couple of the people I weren't that invested in, I felt we could have learned a little bit more about the characters and then I would have cared a bit more about 
the fates of each of them. But that's a very tiny gripe on an excellent film. I'm going to say this is the best film I've seen this year, 9 out of 10. Whoa! Whoa, very good. I um, thought I enjoyed this film. It was quite good. Um, I thought the robbery scene was very tense. That had me. There was, there was it was sort of funny too with the rubber gloves and things like that. But it was also like I was like that had me. That scene. I was just in there. I thought a lot of the conversations were interesting. I, I liked that it, it sort of was a different film with the way they incorporated the political stuff. It was very conversation based. Most of the conversations were good and interesting. But at the same time, like, I think we're just lacking something as a film. Like, I think uh, some of the conversations got a bit tedious. What the characters were talking about, they sort of linked it back in with the political stuff. But at the same time, I thought, like, it was a very long movie for that fairly simple message. Um, but, but by the way, it's not that long a movie. It is <laughs> a 90-minute movie, which I thought was good, like, that, that it wasn't any longer. Um, but then it sort of, like, just ended, too. I love the ending. I thought the final line summed up the film so well. Yeah, I guess, like I guess, but it did seem a little like oh, and now it's ended. <laughs> um, so that is good. I'll give it a seven and a half. Now to the housekeeping segment, our favourite segment on the podcast, <laughs> or at least the listeners' favourite segment <laughs> on the podcast. Matt, I hear you have some news for us. A follow up. On I, an unrunning housekeeping segment story. I, well, I went on my adventure for my birthday. For those of you who haven't listened to our previous podcast, my birthday, um, since I love Moonrise Kingdom and always been saying that I want to go on an adventure, a friend of mine got me an adventure on the card. There was a clue to another clue, which had a clue to this clue, uh, which had a clue to the present. So we went into the bush to get this present. Now, I started going. At the beginning, I went the wrong way. So we went back up the stairs, we went back up and went along to the second bench where I looked under the bench and there was nothing there. But the bench was on a wooden platform. Maybe it's under the wooden platform. So I walked down under the wooden platform, having a look, couldn't see anything. Then I like had another look, digging through the grass and eventually I found a plastic bag which had the present in it. It hadn't been stolen, it hadn't been ruined by the rain. Um, so I guess I'll just show you, Jonathan, what it was. Yeah. So it's like a little thing is saying I've gotten a birthday hidden immunity idol. It can be used at any future birthday to keep me from aging a year older. Not sure if that will work. <laughs> <laughs> putting that out there. I can only use it For once, your birthday, though. I give you the gift of magic. <laughs> yes. And this is, this is what it is. So you can have a look at it, describe it, and give your verdict on this as a gift. Okay, I appear to be holding a rock. Actually, that's pretty generous. A pebble. It's quite smooth, about two inches in length. It has some text up and a marker drawn on it. Some little weird symbols as if it's supposed to be a, I guess, tribal immunity idol from the show Survivor. I love Survivor. I'm sort of sceptical about its magical properties. (laughs) I'm kind of wondering, like, like, is this it? Like, it's just, like, really, like, the present. I was told in the last clue that it was going to be a very underwhelming present. <laughs> like, I, I feel like the note that you're going to read out was is was going to be like, oh, and this is redeemable for, like, a dinner for four or something. Like, you go out with your friends. Like, this is a token, not the prize itself. Because this, 
has, like, no intrinsic value whatsoever. I hope it was going to be redeemable for, like, a massage on my birthday. Like, a nice... I thought that would have been nice. But, um... So, what's your rating? (laughs) If I have to give a screen verdict birthday present rating, I'm going to give that a Twilight out of ten. A two. A two out of ten. Ah! Ah! It gets two points for recognising the fact that you like the show Survivor. Yeah. And no more points. Well, I, I think this is your problem, Jonathan. Like, you're not judging the whole present, because, like, the whole present was the adventure to get the present, <laughs> as well as the uh, idle rock pebble at the end of it. So it was, like, the thought and the effort that went into putting together a great adventure. Maybe one of the all-time great adventures. <laughs> And and then at the end, it's nice to have a nice little uh, nice little pebble with these nice patterns that has been uh, done on it to remember the adventure by. I'm more concerned with the thought and effort you had to put into getting the present. Yeah, I, no, but that's what I like. That was fun. That was exciting. <laughs> so I think this is a really nice, sweet present. I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I was uh, giving it a killing them softly out of ten. <laughs> Uh, for any of my friends who are considering getting me a birthday present, I would prefer killing them softly on Blu-ray than a pebble. <laughs> Just I, to my friends out there. Yeah. So, um, no, I thought this was uh, really sweet. Um, we've got some photos from the adventure. I'll put them up on the Screen Verdict Facebook fan page so you can see me uh, retrieving the thing. So there we go. To the person who got me the present, I'm sure they're listening, as all my friends do to the podcast. <laughs> Uh, thanks very much. That was, that was a really um, nice thing for you to do. Well, that's a resolution to an adventure. Yes. And the end of another podcast. Yes. I think next week we might be reviewing Argo. Oh, yeah. So look forward to that, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye.